0: Now, David Fiorazzo. Good morning, brothers and sisters in Christ, the remnant soldiers in the faith. Thank you so much for tuning in. We appreciate you. We appreciate your prayers for this ministry um, with the spiritual warfare that we all face as believers. Also, we appreciate your prayers for every guest we have on the podcast. And today's is no different. And when we speak the truth in love, The truth is what gets people, sometimes no matter how we present it. But uh, let's just open in prayer. Uh, Lord God, thank you for giving us another day to love you, to serve you, hopefully to impact those in our sphere of influence. Lord, help us to be salt and light uh, that that you may not remove our lampstand. Help us, Lord, do the work that you've called us to do. Use us in whatever way you will. We pray that you would guide us by your Holy Spirit, not only in this conversation today, but also in our personal lives, Lord, as we go out into the public and as we hopefully have interactions with people that can point them to the truth since so many, even in the church, have been deceived. So, Father, we ask for your wisdom, as we always do, Lord. We need more of it today than any other day in the past because things are getting really chaotic and confusing, but I know that you are not the author of confusion, but of life, and we thank you for that life and the hope that we have in Jesus Christ. Amen. We are so blessed to have Stephen Black from First Stone Ministries. He's the executive director, and he's worked in pastoral care ministry as an ordained minister in the local church with international ministerial fellowship for 25 years. And he works full-time as executive director, and he's in Oklahoma. Uh, He's an author, speaker, teacher. Uh, He speaks at churches. He serves the body of Christ in pastoral care, discipleship, support group sessions, speaking, and helps provide freedom conferences and seminars. And uh, boy, he's just got such an amazing testimony. His book that we're going to talk about today, plus his m- much of his ministry, it's called Freedom Realize. That's our theme today, freedom from homosexuality and living a life free from labels. Uh, Stephen Black, thank you so much for coming on Stand Up For The Truth.
1: Yes, sir. Thank you for having me.
0: Well, let's talk about uh, your background first. Now, when people, you know, that subtitle, Finding Freedom from Homosexuality, um, we've had, you know, several former transgenders, former homosexuals, and in more recent years they were saved, maybe in the last five years. But you've, since the 1980s, I believe, uh, tell us your testimony, and I know it it, uh, stems back to... Um, you're a survivor of childhood sexual abuse, so please uh, condense your testimony for us and just share with uh, what brought you to your ministry today.
1: Yeah, I had a radical transformative experience with Jesus Christ in 1983. Is It was a result of crying out to the Lord for about a year and a half. Uh, my My brother died on Mother's Day in 1981, and it just about tore our family mm. to pieces in grief. And I was raised in a Catholic uh, environment. I went to par- parochial school, had the, um, unfortunately, the the parish uh, priest winking at me, telling me it was all the more reason to come to Mass mm. uh, at my sister's um, uh, wedding uh, reception, and telling me that it was okay to be gay. And that God loved me just the way uh, I was. So I had all this confusion with religion and even had some understanding about God. But when my little brother died, it set me into a place of really crying out to God, living as a gay man for eight years. I knew other gay ministers and other gay uh, people that were in power and authority in, in Oklahoma City. And so I was really confused but when I met some people that were in love with Jesus, God so in his kindness and sovereignty reached down that night and spoke to my heart and said, If you do not accept me tonight, you're going to die. Hmm. And I was in the middle of a home that was filled with with just loving God. These people talked about Jesus coming and going from their house, so I, d- I didn't really quite fit in. I just sat there and listened quietly. But the Holy Spirit came over me, and when he did, um, in 1983, the reason why he said that is because of a terrible disease that we saw spring up uh, in that summer, you know, half the people that I knew in the gay community, three years later, were all dead. Wow. And so he spared my life, and, mm-hmm. and how that happened is, I prayed with this man, and he he when I told him what was going on inside my soul, he said, brother, the Lord is calling you. And so we prayed together. And, uh, you know, in in Catholicism, you see a crucified Christ every Sunday. And I saw Jesus on the cross, but he wasn't uh, dead. He was alive and he was suffering for my sin. And it just changed something inside of me. And then later on that night, uh, as we were uh, driving home, their sister that I was with asked me this question. She she asked me, "Well, does this mean you're not going to be gay anymore?" And I said, "Well, I, I guess it means whatever Jesus has for me. I I don't know." And <laughs> immediately the Word of God started challenging me. I went home and prayed over this big table Bible, the Douay version from the the Pope. It was blessed of the Pope, and <laughs> I flipped that thing open, and it landed right on Leviticus 18. Oh my goodness! It was miraculous. And so the Lord gave me his law, and I uh, I was ruined that night with the law of God. I, I, I knelt down by my bed and said, God, if you can change me, I'll change, but I don't know how to change. And hmm. thank God I was involved with a Southern Baptist church that was part of the fullness movement in the late 70s and early 80s that had the Holy Spirit uh, really just radically transforming that group of people. I was involved in a revival and my life has never been the same.
0: Wow. What a, I, know, I know I appreciate the power of your testimony, but you, you you, really condensed it for us. If people want to find out more about it, you can pick up the book Freedom Realize, and I'm sure you've got a lot of videos that I've seen where you've been interviewed, you share your testimony. But uh, thank you for that. I do want to follow up on one thing you said. Uh, it, it, a priest actually said God loves you just the way you are and and didn't add to that by saying, but. Uh, can you explain that? Because there's, there's a problem with that, because that's what, you, what we're hearing today, and it does not lead, that kind of mentality does not lead to repentance or conviction of sin. It just says, okay, thank God he loves me and accepts me. Could you uh, clarify that a little bit?
1: Sure. Well, that particular priest at the time was actually living a dual lifestyle of homosexuality himself. Oh, okay. uh, later on, I saw him out in the gay bars. Mm. Um, but um, you know there is this mentality now that you can take on the american psychological what we call the orientation narrative or the orientation construct and that is this idea that these feelings these appetites these desires which the bible calls unnatural they're calling orientation and they're legitimizing lgbtq behavior And you even have this now in mainline evangelical Christendom that they're calling for this to be recognized as a sexual minority group. Mark Yarhouse coined that term, term with D.A. Carson with the Gospel Coalition. Hmm. And so this is permeated at the highest levels of Christianity in the Southern Baptist, the Presbyterian Church of America. And so now there's this idea that you can be a gay Christian, albeit... They, they say celibate or, you know, that maybe uh, eventually some of them are now communicating God would bless a, uh, a gay marriage. And so there's this erosion that is taking place in evangelical Christendom based upon kind of a hyper-grace and antinomianism theology that's mixed with the American Psychological Association of Orientation so you put those things together which even in their paper they're saying well you know orientation rarely changes so we just need to accept these people in the church that they're going to just be gay christians and so that's what we have today and they're they're truncating the power of the gospel of Jesus they're truncating the 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 very words of our lord yes. and what paul said to timothy they have a god they have a kind of a religion they say they have godliness but they don't have the power of transformation and it's really unfortunate because i think there's some really well-meaning even kind people that are involved in what i can only say is a very bad theology at the very minimum and really, at the very extreme, it's heretical. Mm. And because they're they're putting the, the idea of something that the Lord says is detestable, and they're putting it together beside the word Christ. And so they're coming out with this idea of LGBTQ plus sign Christianity. That's right. And I think it grieves the Spirit of God.
0: Absolutely. And uh, you mentioned the word orientation. It is really a confusing word for a lot of people. Uh, you write in your book that same-sex attractions often begin early in life. The follow-up question would be how early, and and wouldn't this prove that homosexuality is innate?
1: A great question. Well, the reality is is that these attractions or affections are not even sexual at the early age, what they are is the longing for daddy they mm. they 're longing for father 's love they 're longing for father in both male and female homosexuality or same sex attraction to bring stability in their gender identity and there 's a huge gap usually when we uh, minister to people It was true in my story. It's true, and most of the men, I've been doing this now for 30 years, full-time in pastoral care, unpacking people's history, and honestly, I don't think I've ever met anyone that didn't have some form of a deficit relating with their same-sex parent, and there's also usually some kind of a personality, temperamental thing that, yes, they are born with but should be shored up with the good of who they've been created in their their sex as either male or female. And what God wants for men to be, you know, initiators and females responsive, being being able to be um, responders and being able to uh, receive the initiation. And there's usually fear and insecurity and hurt and pain. And all of that, so you have these children that are confused, and they have longing, um, you know, like I did. Uh, My dad was out of the picture for the first six years. Uh, He was a a career military man, and back in those days, in the 60s, they, you know, they shipped him out all all over the world. Mm. And so I didn't even really know my dad, and I was feminized. And, And that is true of most of the people that we minister to. I wouldn't say all, but most. Right. And then, you know, there, there are, uh, and we have to look at this the high 60% of males and 80% of females that are sexually molested prepubescent. And then post pubescent, that number goes up higher. And then now in this culture, we have over 95% of our youth that are either somehow introduced to graphic sexual information prepubescent. With the event of the internet, yep. uh, you know smart technologies of tablets phones internet they 're all being introduced to very graphic sexual information, and that is distorting yes. and so you have all of these causalities that are real that people then say well i must uh, i 've always felt this way or I must be born this way and yet this is the amazing thing is just uh, uh, a year ago, August. The largest genetic study on homosexuality ever conducted called the Genome-Wide Associative Study um, with the UK and the United States with over 477,000 people involved in that study. And guess how many gay genes they found in all of those people? Zero? Zero. <laughs> That's because there is no DNA or genetic disposition to homosexual behavior. Amen. It is a learned environmental uh, behavioral uh, uh, situation where people grow up in that based upon, yes, some having temperaments and personalities that can bend towards, you know, having that same-sex attraction.
0: So, Stephen, what I'm hearing you say is people like Lady Gaga, and I think she's got a song called Born That Way, and yeah. others in our culture, including the The public schools, the government-run schools, for the most part in their radicalized sexual uh, or health education, whatever they want to label it, that is deception at best and a lie at worst, is what you're saying about being born gay.
1: Oh, absolutely. It is very uh, filled with propaganda, and that comes squarely. Uh, From two really major sources, which is the American Psychological Association and the Human Rights Campaign, which is the biggest gay lobby in the world.
0: Yeah. And of course, Hollywood goes along with it. Uh, uh, We've got at least uh, part of an entire uh, political party, the Democrat Party, going along with it and supporting the LGBT. They, you know, fund their money into the Democrat campaigns, and it's just this vicious cycle and hypersexualized experimentation, which uh, a lot of times leads to pregnancy if it's heterosexual, and then Planned Parenthood is involved, but we don't want to go down that road yet. Uh, the book is called Freedom Realized, and I, I was going to follow up on that. Is there anything else from that study you can uh, share with our listeners? That is, like you said, the largest study ever conducted on the issue, and we, of course, don't hear about that in the media.
1: Well, what's great is that, you know, that study just confirms what has already been done with the Atlantis Journal, uh, with Dr. McHugh's study, and then there was also uh, the Santorum study, uh, uh, Santoro study, and then which actually was very much like what First Stone did in a survey. Mm Of 25 years of client folders which revealed about 70 percent more than 70 percent of people that gave at least one year of their life to biblical counseling and pastoral care and support group started living a life free from anything connected to LGBTQ free from any kind of labels and lived a surrendered life to Christ and so that's our 25 years of experience um, and then, so these other studies are just confirming what we already knew.
0: So how do they justify, uh, let's just say in the, in the Church, those who say, well, I'm, I'm a gay Christian, or I'm a Christian, but I'm still gay, I just, I'm celibate, but I'm still gay. How do they justify this um, when not only, of course, it goes against the Bible, but it goes against this very important study, one the largest one ever conducted?
1: Well, what they do is they they put their experiences and their feelings and their desires and 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 I'll be the first to admit you know in overcoming uh for some of these people who have lived you know gay identified for decades um it is going to be very difficult As a matter of fact, most of them probably will struggle to the day they die. And so they hear that, and then you got these fallen leaders, right? You've got the Exodus leaders, you've got, um, you know, other uh, Catholic and and Episcopal uh, leaders that have all come out as gay, and and you've got Alan Chambers saying that it doesn't work. And so the gay media and some of these fallen leaders have now produced a lot of propaganda like Boy Erased and some of these other movies and mm. they're they're telling people that the based upon the failure rate of these so called leaders who when you look at their history and I actually know some of these people mm. and you find out that they never gave up their porn use. They never gave up their fantasy. In other words, they were secretly sinning. Mm. And of course you can't be an alcoholic And continue to you know take sips all along the way, you're going to fall back, and that's exactly what we see in these people that say it doesn't work, and that you're born this way, is they don't have a real, genuine, surrendered, devoted life to Jesus Christ, and so they have to prop up this gay Christianity uh, narrative, and and an ideology because. They want people to be sympathetic to their struggle, to the place where sin is being dumbed down in the church.
0: That's right.
1: And, and so they're just kind of, you know, you just need to accept the fact that we're queer in here. Those are their words. Mm-hmm. And uh, and that's, that is what's going on. It is an erosion. Uh, pastors and leaders have been now beat down for over 20 years of being called a homophobe, bigot unkind, unloving, the very antithesis of of the exact opposite of what a Christian is about. And so, you know, if they're not equipped to understand how to minister, they kind of go, well, no, no, you know, uh, I'm not that way. We're here. Let's let's be loving. Let's be kind. And then you have the civility movement, you know, which you're not even allowed to confront a serial pedophile rapist and call him a serial pedophile rapist because that would you know, harsh words. That's right. And, and that's where we are in the church. Mm-hmm. And a lot of these people, when you look behind the scenes, brother, they have gay-identified family members. Yeah. They have tithers and people that have big money in the church that have gay-identified family members.
0: We need to talk more about that. Our guest today is Stephen Black, First Stone Ministries, We'll talk about conversion therapy and the movie In His Image, plus more from his book, Freedom Realized, when we come back on Stand Up For The Truth. Your monthly financial support of StandUpForTheTruth.com is needed and appreciated. Now, back to today's Stand Up For The Truth with David Fiorazzo. Stephen Black is the director of First Stone Ministries, executive director since the year 2000. And the book he wrote a couple years ago, Freedom Realized, Finding Freedom from Homosexuality and Living a Life Free from Labels. Before we go on to the next topics, I would love for you to unpack this quote from you. Uh, You say, When anyone engages in sexual immorality, it physically changes brain structure, not the other way around. Please explain that.
1: Yeah, so in 1991, uh, I was getting ready to go on a, uh, a TV program, And my wife and I were preparing to go to Houston, and lo and behold, I walk into a a convenience store, and there's a magazine sitting right on the shelf, and it says, Is this child born this way? It has a picture of a baby, and it was a Newsweek. And what it was was Simon LeVay's report that showed that he had found that there was all of these um, uh, cadavers with hypothalamus glands, that they had pulled out of the these uh, homosexual, practicing homosexuals' minds, and found that their hypothalamus glands were altered, changed. Well, that set me on a prayer, uh, and, and really kind of saying, Lord, I need something from your word. And he gave me 1 Corinthians 6.18, it says, Flee from sexual immorality. All other sin is committed outside the body, but sexual immorality is a sin against your own body. And I knew intrinsically in 1991 that God was showing me that even from his word that our behavior, our sinful behavior, can and does physically alter our brain. Hmm. Now what is amazing is just in the last 10 years, they started doing these brain scans. And now we know conclusively that pornography use... uh, that the, those who are addicted to pornography have the uh, the brain damage of like a crack cocaine addict. And so now we know that the brain, the firing of the brain and the neural pathways of the brain are physically altered by what you are allowing in your senses, by what you allow your body to go through. Now, how much more so if pornography can make your brain look like a crack cocaine addict, how much more so if you're engaging in anal and oral and perverse sexual behavior? Mm-hmm. Of course, it's changing the brain. Yes. And so then later on, Simon Levey said, yeah, you know, that wasn't a great study, and it didn't really prove that there was a genetic link to homosexuality. But ironically, that's when everyone in Hollywood in 1991 started saying, you're born this way, baby. And that is, is that it was based upon fraudulent and terrible science from Simon Levay, and now we know that actually the rest of the story is most of those guys died from HIV/AIDS and were practicing homosexuals. Of course, their brain structures changed. Yes, absolutely. Based upon their behavior.
0: Thank you for clarifying that because boy, did that uh, lie really take our culture by storm. Um, let's move on to your a survey you did. Uh, First Stone Ministries did a survey report. It was started because of false claims made by gay activists that no one really finds freedom from homosexuality. And, of course, that's a lie. Um, I'm looking at uh, this page full of statistics, uh, Stephen. If you would just go through a couple of them, including the fact that, um, according to this uh, research, 92% of those who came to First Stone uh, to receive ministry for themselves, and who participated for at least one year, ended up declaring themselves to be devoted Christians after receiving ministry help. Now, this would kind of go against the uh, conversion therapy uh, controversy. Would you please explain m- more of these findings?
1: Yeah, well, so what you have are, are people... Uh, it's a big mix, and, and, you know, if you did this with AA or NA or... You know any of these other you know twelve step groups you know you would look at and go well those those groups are very successful with thirty three to fifty percent success rates right <laughs> um and And yet these gay activists have you know maligned the public with the lies that um you know that somehow this doesn't work because you had a fallen leader, Alan Chambers, who was the president of Exodus and his mentor and pastor, Clark Whitten, come out with antinomianism and the APA narrative, and they basically communicated to the world, and I mean repeatedly, which is used in gay propaganda Hmm. media, which is 99% don't change. So what ended up happening is I knew I was actually serving as the chairman of the Ministry council when all that went down. Yours truly is the one that did the Matthew 18 process <laughs> with getting others with confronting Alan Chambers and the people that were actually propagating this message. So we had I knew we had uh, 1,200 client folders stored away uh, representing over 25 years of people that had gone through our ministry. So what we did is we contacted as many as we could, which was about 500, and out of that 500, 185 filled out a very thorough report, and that's called the First Stone Ministries Effectiveness Survey. And in that report, I mean, some of the amazing stats that came out, I mean, my statistician told me that if I had 50 people fill it out, I would know what the numbers were, and I was like, no way, I need at least 200. Well, I got it 185, and the numbers... Came in from the first hundred did not shift one or two points on everything with the conclusion of the the study. So the statistician was right, and uh, and so then you have all these people that come to our ministry, and about ninety-two to eighty-eight percent, depending on the question and how it was asked, considered themselves to be completely sexually addicted when they came to our ministry. And then after receiving our ministry services, most of them, the majority, over 70%, after a few years of really dealing with their stuff, right, in pastoral care and support group, considered themselves free from homosexuality and sexual sin and brokenness. Wow. That's amazing. Those those kinds of numbers, you don't even have in AA or NA
0: unheard of. I mean, from what I've read up on this too, your numbers are extremely high. And of course, I'm sure um, the media really won't uh, touch these studies or these numbers because, of course, they don't agree with uh, the worldview, the Christian worldview. Um, But is there anything you can share with us about the confusion about conversion therapy? We hear a lot of pushes to ban conversion therapy and i think a lot of the reasons are there it's based on lies that it actually hurts people instead of helps them
1: yeah it it really is it's it's ironic how many of the people that testify i actually know these people like Sam Brenton and Matthew Shrucka and some of these others And they will go and literally lie in these committees. We've caught them in lie after lie after lie. Hmm. And they will say that they've been harmed, that they've been tortured. But interesting when you say, okay, now who was your therapist? Because we on our side do not advocate any of that kind of behavior. And so what they communicate is that these ministries and that these uh, therapists are somehow, you know, shocking these people or using some kind of IV drip or, you know, pornography use, nobody practices any of that kind of behavior. Electroshock therapy can only be carried out by a medical doctor in usually a psych institution. And it is very rarely used. So nobody in conversion therapy, what they call it, which is would be good counseling and good therapeutic models of talk therapy uses any of the things that they They propagate. Wow. And then they put, like, even this Boy erase movie, John Smith, who I know. You know, even in confronting John, it's like, John, those things didn't happen that were in the movie. And and these are his words. He's saying, well, I know it, but it tells a great story, doesn't it? Oh, my goodness. And it's like, wow. So they know it's propaganda, and so they're trying to bend the minds of people that somehow, that the gospel especially the ministries that use the power of the Word of God in prayer and really uh, uh, you know, unpacking the grief, the sorrow that needs inner healing in the soul. They, they are attacking us by saying that we use some kind of nefarious work, and it is just tragic what is happening in our culture with this lie. It's a ruse. Yes. Conversion therapy, that term, isn't even used by anyone.
0: Yep, and it's amazing how they, they can't fight the truth And, of course, Jesus is the truth, and ultimate freedom can be found in him, but they can try to confuse people with deception and lies. Um, Stephen, let's go over to the movie uh, In His Image, as uh, we've had Laura Perry on Former Transgender uh, several times here on the podcast, and I'm glad to have you. You were also one of the contributors. Tell us about that, your experience, and uh, the effectiveness of that movie.
1: Well, it... it, it um, thank you for that question because I have had such a great joy in my life working with the American Family uh, Studios mm-hmm. group. They're all millennials and, and <laughs> in their thirties and they're young people, and just have loved their their heart and their passion. Well, when they came to First Stone, this old guy kind of <laughs> laid out the, uh, the the problems along with Dr. Michael Brown who is the narrator in this, and Dr. Michael Brown is a good friend of mine, and he he told them, you know, you need to go talk to this guy, that old guy over there that's been doing this ministry for a time. So their words are that they really got their movie and the understanding of the different areas that they needed to address by just powwowing with uh, our staff, and that, that was at the same time that Laura Beth uh, came on our staff as well. And so they uh they did my story but they also did walt Heyer, who is a yes. former male to female and then reclaimed his masculinity a uh, transgender and then denise Schick is also um a person who has really been ravaged by what families go through as a, a daughter of a dad who transitioned and and died transitioned and so um just the pain and the sorrow but what's amazing about this particular documentary is you have, you know, like Dr. Michelle Critella and uh, Robert Gagnon and Mary Cassian and some of these uh, world theologian experts like James White and Everett Piper and Gagnon. I mean, these guys came on with Robert, or excuse me, with Michael Brown narrating this thing and really lay out an amazing uh, documentary of hope and truth that uh really deals with all of the different facets of why God created us created us in his image mm. male and female, and there is no other lgbtq plus sign acceptable in the sight of god Amen. and and it 's done so kindly and mm. beautifully and authoritatively and I highly recommend this movie, not because i 'm in it. Not because I, you know, had the honor and privilege to to come beside this, but because it is filled with the truth of the gospel of Jesus Christ that lives are changed.
0: And praise God for the American Family Association and their they're just relentless work throughout the years to promote the truth. And it's in his image dot movie and a great list of contributors, by the way. Um, we've got about five or six minutes left, Stephen, and we, I just do want to talk about the problem in the American Church with uh, just this battle of the, the the deception of gay Christianity. Well, more pastors have been bowing to the LGBT crowd. And a lot of people in, that email me, or I'm sure that contact you, they often want to, to know how to address this. How do we approach our pastors, or why doesn't our pastor speak out about these issues from Scripture? I'm looking at an article from uh, Scott Lively, Dr. Scott Lively, and uh, about it'll only get worse because more pastors, including uh, J.D. Greer, president of Southern Baptist Convention, um, who just said some disturbing things and who else? a Christian author, Max Lucato seems to have taken a soft approach to uh, homosexuality. And I would love for you to address this problem not only in the church but at the leadership, at the leadership level.
1: Well, and we do. We have to confront uh, the people with really something that I find that's pretty simple and that is is are you really going to embrace? The American psychological secular humanism mm-hmm. as your religion and faith, or are you going to receive the word of God engrafted that is actually able to save people's souls? That's James one twenty one, and if you if, if you're going to receive the word of God, which My life verse is Psalms 107, verse 20, which says, you know, he sent his word to heal them and to deliver them from their destruction. Because God sent his law to me and made me so convicted and so broken over my sin. And what I see consistently with these people is they've removed the beginning of wisdom. And the beginning of wisdom is the fear of the Lord and being able to communicate how holy and separate God really is concerning these unnatural affections and yet now these these guys that are very smart are now propagating this in all of our seminaries and bible colleges that the apa their psychology uh secular humanists are now permeating at the highest level Mm. and so we need to be asking and if uh, there's a listener you should be asking your pastor who are you listening to are you really going to receive the word of god and believe that god can change the internal world and internal thinking of somebody who has had inordinate sexual perversion in their life and or are you going to believe the narrative of the orientation construct, word construct and give way to what they call sexual minorities in the gospel coalition hmm. this is what we have to address yes. i mean you've got jd greer the president of the Southern Baptist dancing with a Whitney Houston karaoke situation <laughs> with a what he called a gay staff member and wow. you know this this is tragic yes i mean people can go right on youtube and watch it mm-hmm. and it's it's like this is where we are today and the level of frivolity around this rather than having a clarity of the holiness of god and that has to be restored and and i believe it is With prayer and the Word of God um, and really seeking the Lord, we will will see revival break out in some places, and people will be set free.
0: Oh my goodness, you said a lot there, and yeah, many of us have been really, uh, not surprised, but discouraged to some degree, but maybe disappointed is the best word, of how some Christian leaders have been silent on these important issues, and when you're silent when people are being bombarded by deception and the lies that would go against God's Word out in our culture, throughout our culture, in every major institution, um, we don't have a lot of truth being exposed if the leaders aren't doing it, if they're not equipping the saints. Um, uh, Stephen, we would love to have you back because we barely touched on... Uh, some of the chapters, really important chapters in your book, Freedom Realized. And uh, I don't want to put you on the spot, but hopefully we can have you back another time. But uh, to, to wrap up, sir, uh, how can people find out more uh, about First Stone Ministries, and what's the best way to get a hold of you and your book?
1: Well, um, First Stone is ha- has its own website, so First Stone, and first is all spelled out, firststone.org, and then the book has its own website, which is freedomrealized.org, and I have a blog out there, stephenblack.org. And, you know, I'd like to, to remind people that, you know, a Bonhoeffer quote I love, silence in the face of evil is itself evil. Amen. God will not hold us guiltless. Not to speak is to to speak. Not to act is to act. And so we have got to be people that act and speak boldly the truth, which is love.
0: Uh, you had me at Dietrich Bonhoeffer, <laughs> Stephen Black. Thank you so much for your time today, sir. God bless you and your work at First Stone Ministries. And uh, we'll hopefully, Lord willing, we'll talk to you again soon.
1: Absolutely. Thank you, sir.
0: Thank you. All right, when we come back, more from the American Family Association. They say the left has declared open season on... Christians, and conservatives will talk about what they're saying out there, which really should be concerning. And uh, we'll get into a few recent articles on Stand Up For The Truth in just a minute. Thank you for listening and sharing today's show via StandUpForTheTruth.com slash podcast. Now, back to Stand Up For The Truth. Here's David Villarazzo. Okay, before we get into some of these uh, topics and this information the AFA put out and a few disturbing articles, including what Maxine Waters' Um, just her language, uh, just very, for inciting violence. Very disappointing, and the media doesn't call that out. But anyway, um, I would need you to pray for our producer, uh, Travis. He's uh, our newer producer here at Stand Up For The Truth. He's been here for a couple months, and he's in the hospital. Uh, we don't know what uh, he's in the hospital for, but he just sent a quick text out at like 4 in the morning today, and I would just love for you guys to pray for Travis and for healing, for God to give the doctors wisdom, whatever treatment he's getting, and, of course, God's protection over him in the name of Jesus. So thanks for your prayers for that. Also, Julaine Appling, uh, God willing, she will be with us Friday here on the podcast, but two and a half years ago, she went uh, through radiation for treating of a rare cancer in her left shoulder. Well, uh, she gets an MRI and a CT scan every four to six months, and each time she goes in, they say she needs surgery. So, the surgery would remove a bone in her shoulder that cannot be replaced with anything. And that would obviously drastically reduce her mobility in her shoulder. Um, so, she's going to Mayo Clinic today or tomorrow for a second opinion. So, pray for Julaine Appling, Wisconsin Family Council. Um, and she just does so much great work and for the kingdom and for. Uh, the state. So please pray for her as well. Now, uh, we didn't go through our uh, lists of resources. We've got over 150 now that's on standardforthe for you to get helpful, truthful information. We want to just go through the T's. We've been going through the alphabet. Now we're on the letter T. Technocracy News. We highly recommend Patrick Wood. Also, The Times of Israel. Todd Friel, Wretched Radio. Town Hall. Truth for a New Generation, Alex McFarland, Tucker Carlson, VCY, we're going to the V's now, VCY America and Voice of the Martyrs. So only two in the V's, and we'll uh, get to the next letter um, tomorrow, God willing. Um, So here's what the American Family Association said. i got so many papers here. I believe in the coming months and years they're going to be difficult and often disheartening for Christians because radical leftists are firmly in charge of our national political institutions and have declared open season on Christians and conservatives. Consider these comments from some well-known influential Democrats or progressives. Uh, And you may have heard these, but I just want to set up this article talking about Maxine Waters and her recent comments that are just completely irresponsible. Reza Aslan, a scholar, and uh, he writes for politics in the mainstream media, and he said that all supporters of former President Donald Trump are by definition white nationalist terror supporters, and this evil racist scourge must be eradicated from society. Did you hear what I said? He's a prominent writer, a political writer for the mainstream media, and he said all supporters of former President Donald Trump are by definition white nationalists, That's guilt by association. If you vote Republican or if you voted for Trump, you are now a terror supporter. And this evil, racist scourge must be eradicated from society. Next, the Washington Compost. I mean, the Post. By the way, I recommend Washington Times. I also recommend Washington Examiner, but ignore or delete the Post. Their editor, Eugene Robinson, said on MSNBC, I think they're still around, that millions of Americans who supported Donald Trump were like members of a cult who need to be deprogrammed. Next, a CNN analyst, Max Boot, said a global affairs analyst, uh, he's a columnist also for The Washington Post, he writes for them, he said cable companies like Comcast should treat Fox News and other conservative media outlets like domestic terrorists who radicalized people and set them on a path toward violence and sedition. Of course, they're talking about the, the event of the, the, at the Capitol on the 6th, where almost a million citizens were there, and there were a small fraction of those who, were, who breached the Capitol and were obviously the rioters or the, the radicals. But they frame everybody. They frame old senior citizens with white hair. If you were at that Capitol, you're one of the radicals and you need to be dealt with. I've got a picture right here of uh, the, the Capitol that day. It's kind of a collage. It's, it's got an American flag with Trump nation on it. These are patriotic people that were there that day to hear the president speak. They were quite a ways away from the, from the Capitol when the violence started, but it says CNN special report: the Trump insurrection, 24 hours that shook America, and that brings me to the next one, which says uh, PBS Business Affairs Council Michael Beller said prior to the election last year, if Joe Biden were to win, the Homeland or the Department of Homeland Security should relocate Republican voters and take their children away, then put the adults. In re education camps. These are quotes that are out there. PBS, progressive broadcasting, I mean, uh, public broadcasting, the Democrat run uh, system, also CNN, Washington Post, MSNBC. These are the usual culprits, but this is the kind of language and rhetoric they're using. And people are believing them because people don't listen to other outlets. No doubt Satan is escalating his war against Christians and conservatives. My book, by the way, is coming out the end of next week, God willing. It's called Canceling Christianity. You uh, can—I put a little YouTube video up quickly, uh, just giving a heads up on it. And also, you can go to my website, davidfiorazzo.com, and look under books, and you'll get the update and when it's actually available. You can see the cover. You can see the description of the book. You can also look at the table of contents, Canceling Christianity. And uh, what a timely— Message for what we're hearing. This kind of rhetoric should be alarming to us. One more before we get to the Maxine Waters story. Biden's search for right-wing extremists. This is uh, an article by Kathleen Porter. She said, a recent Time magazine article on the hunt for hate describes the Biden administration's approach to, quote, defeat Far-right extremism. And, of course, where do you draw that line? Who's moderate, who's far-right, and who's just an average extremist like you and I, uh, right? We're not far-right extremists, but we're still in the, the, the category they would label as domestic terrorists or ext- domestic extremists. Biden has asked senior advisors to do something no previous administration has attempted, refocus the network uh, US, of U.S. security agencies to help combat domestic extremism. So, in normal times, a new administration would be focusing on dire foreign threats like transnational terrorism, Chinese cyber espionage, or North Korean nuclear proliferation. Instead of focusing on those things, they're trying to look at you and your neighbors. Did you vote for Trump? What do your children s- say? You know, what do you do? Would you do you post on Parlor? Are you on social media? Um, are you Republican? So without a doubt, acts of domestic terrorism are absolutely abhorrent, no matter, what, no matter the reason. And people who commit them should be prosecuted to the full extent of the law. But that also includes those who are uh, breaking down and burning down buildings and, and looting and rioting in streets of America, but they're not prosecuted. That's, but Kamala Harris will bail them out of prison, like in uh, Minneapolis. But anyway, shifting a massive amount of U.S. national security resources to focus on America's own citizens, this should be alarming. So the Time article goes on to say far-right extremism is, quote, one of the greatest domestic threats since the Civil War. Think about that. Far-right extremism and how they categorize that. Who is in that category? Of extremists. Well, you and I are. If you're a Christian, you're a nationalist, especially if you voted for Donald Trump. This is dangerous, friends. This is the way it's going. Uh, the Biden administration is so blatantly focused on far right extremism. One can only assume that it's not necessarily the domestic terrorism they want to stamp out, but the ideology of those on the right. And what's part of that ideology is our Christian faith. That's part of our ideology. Did you know the Bank of America? Worked with the FBI after the January 6th, you know, event at the state capitol to go through banking records of people who were in DC that day, in the region that day. They went through banking records of people. Did they ever do that last year when uh, uh, Chad, when when uh, radicals and Antifa and BLM took over a city? Remember Chaz? Wasn't that in, was that Seattle or Portland? It was Seattle. Did did the Bank of America ever go through their records? No. So anyway, that was by uh, Kathleen Porter. Now, it brings us to Maxine Waters. Should she be faced with uh, charges for jury tampering or inciting a riot? She went on record to say um, that there should be nothing acceptable other than a guilty verdict. I'm trying to look for her direct quote here. Um, She said, if nothing happens then we know that we've got to not only stay in the streets, but we've got to fight for justice, and I'm very hopefully and I hope that we are going to get a verdict that will say guilty, 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 and if we don't, we cannot go away. We've got to get more active. We've got to get more confrontational. We've got to make sure they know we mean business, end quote. So, and they're already beating up people, killing people. It's not just George Floyd who died. Remember last year there were up to over four dozen deaths because of the rioting, whether that be business owners, police officers, or others that were killed, civilians. Last year, because of Antifa, Black Lives Matter, uh, the looting and rioting justified by the Democrat Party, Senator Ted Cruz said, Democrats actively are encouraging riots and violence. They want to tear us apart. Quote, we've got, we've got to stay on the street, he, he quotes Waters again, uh, recorded as saying, get more, con- get more confrontational. What does that mean? If they're already you know, beating up people, assaulting police, and are, they're already causing this damage and violence, what does get more confrontational mean? Matt Walsh says um, Maxine Waters is trying to intimidate a jury to influence the outcome of a murder trial and now there's an article at town hall saying judge uh, maxine waters this is the judge saying her actions may result in this trial being overturned keep an eye on this story friends and just be prepared and be in prayer we'll let you know who our guests on are coming up on stand up for the truth stand up for the truth a ministry of lakeshore communications incorporated Keep the discussion going on social media, Stand Up WI on Facebook and Twitter. Now we wrap up today's Stand Up For The Truth. Make sure to go to our website if you ever want to check out those resources. Over 150 links, and we keep adding to it, places where you can get the truth, the the news, and a lot of ministries, Christian worldview. Also, we have a new link called upcoming where you can actually look at the Stand Up For The Truth schedule of guests. And we're booked almost until June. Uh, Tomorrow, um, it says Elizabeth Johnston. uh, We were going to replay a podcast of hers, her most recent podcast. But we are going to be interviewing Kevin Sorbo for the first segment. And uh, God willing, we'll be able to work that out. It's been crazy trying to track him down and get a hold of him. He's so busy. So we're planning on that for tomorrow. Otherwise, uh, you know, you will hear Elizabeth Johnston. Um, John Leffler, Steel on Steel Radio. He'll be back with us Thursday. It's been a long time since we've spoken with John, and he's been doing his ministry there in his podcast. Julaine Appling, keep her in prayer. She's getting a second opinion at the Mayo Clim- Clinic on her shoulder, whether she needs surgery. Uh, pray for her, Wisconsin Family Council. She will be here Friday. Uh, Shane Eidelman, pastor from Southern California, next week. Monday, and then next Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday is our fundraiser. And you can go to StandUpForTheTruth.com/donate if you'd like to, uh, if you're able to give financially. We appreciate it more than anything. We appreciate your prayers. God bless you, and as always, keep speaking the truth about things that matter.